morning, Lake Orion. Today is, is it? I don't even know. <laughs> Wednesday, January 22nd, 2020. This is season 34, episode 2 of Dragon Digest. I am your host, Delaney Rogers. And I am here, Jake Jor, your other host. Today we are here with teacher um, Mrs. Kierton. You can say hello, introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Michelle Kierton. How is everyone doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty Great. well. Good. So, uh, you're obviously very involved with certain things around the school, like NHS and cultural outreach, and we brought you here today because you have a lot of experience, and you've been around the school for a while to get the community and the energy. So if you want to touch on some things that you're involved in, your experiences. So I'll start with the, what about cultural outreach? Oh, okay. So I have been a teacher here for uh, 16 years, and I have been the cultural outreach advisor for about nine years. And cultural outreach is a club devoted to spreading the important message of acceptance and respect for all students. And the important part of cultural outreach is that it's very intentional in terms of targeting specific um, topics and themes each month. Uh, I have found that at times when it comes to issues of diversity, it's very artificial. Let's just have one um, culture night. Let's just have one event or two events each year. So um, I just think it's very important for us to focus on different topics of diversity every month. So uh, that's what we do in culture outreach. We have a group of officers and a group of students, and we work together to make that happen each month. Okay. And what are some of the most important experiences you've had within cultural outreach within the students and the staff? And what are the cool, I guess, memories you have? Oh, so many. I think the, the best part is how receptive our staff is. I don't know that people realize this about uh, Lake Orion um, High School and the community. I know on the outside looking in, it seems as if it's not very racially and ethnically diverse. However, the, the mindset of the teachers and I would even say a majority of the students is very open and uh, very accepting and wanting to be um, inclusive and being a part and encouraging um, everything that we're doing here. So some great memories that I have is that I had a student, Emily Prosco. She's now a student at the University of Michigan. But uh, I started her as the president of Culture Outreach her freshman year, and she stayed in the club for four years as the president. And I was able under you know, working with her, I was able to really um, see cultural outreach change and become something very important and valuable. Not just a bunch of kids and a teacher sitting around talking about diversity, but actually being action-based. And so I was able to take a lot of her feedback from a student perspective, mix it with mine from a teacher perspective, and come up with a lot of the ideas that we see today in 2020. So a lot of those ideas came out of the years of 2016 um, all the way into 2018, uh, part me 2014 until 2018 those ideas came um, came about because of that interaction so just seeing the process and, and kind of the evolution of cultural outreach and our ability to bring students together in the club and in the school on a monthly basis and not just once or twice a year so I think that's very important to me and I think that's very valuable okay okay um. So you have also been a part of NHS. How long have you been doing that as uh, the advisor? Oh, I have been the advisor of NHS uh, for this will be my 13th year this year. So um, I started um, probably, let's see, my third year of teaching. 
and honestly, it wasn't something I wanted to do. At the time, the principal was Todd Dunkley, which I know a lot of people are not familiar with because we've had several principals since uh, Todd Dunkley. But uh, he, for some reason, thought I would be a good fit for that. I disagreed. And I said, I don't know that I want to do that. It seems like a lot of work. It seems like something that would not be of interest to me and in trying to you know, go about that. But he convinced me to do it. And I've been doing it ever since. And uh, the part that I love about being the NHS advisor um, is working with the kids and more importantly the service projects that the students work on. And I've even seen my role change within NHS. I've become a better leader and a, a better servant leader because of NHS. So um, I've always wanted to serve others in some capacity. And now that I'm the advisor of NHS, that gets to be a part of who I am every day, even more so. And I think that is so incredibly valuable for me as a human being. Okay. And what kind of things in high school were you doing that prepared you for doing all these things now? You obviously have a really huge heart for serving and for loving others around the community. So what was like the initial moment you realized that you wanted to serve others even throughout your life and be a teacher? Well, it, it went... Uh, before high school. I've always excelled in school and so the running joke, I've always wanted to be a teacher since I was uh, four years old. So the running joke in my family is that I've been teaching since birth. So what I would do is if I excelled in something, I wanted others to know it as well. So I would teach other kids in the garage or wherever and I'd play school. So I was a teacher and I have to be honest, I'm, I like to be bossy a little bit, but in a good way now. I've, cha I've uh, channeled that in a positive way, but um, I always like to be kind of the boss because I always felt that I could lead people in a positive way. I didn't understand that as a kid. I was just bossy. But now I understand how to, challenge, uh, how to channel that a little differently. Um, so just working with others and helping them and doing well in school developed a, a love of learning. And I just wanted everyone to, to just know how wonderful learning about books and history and how interesting it was. And um, I grew up as a military brat, so I moved a lot. Uh, and I went to three different high schools. Um, I was in Germany. I was in Kentucky. I was in North Carolina. And the way I got involved in service is because I always wanted to find a way to connect. And my way to connect was to help others because I was always the new girl. So imagine ninth grade year, the new girl. Tenth grade year, the new girl. Eleventh grade year, the new girl. So three years of my high school was always the new girl. So I kind of overcompensated a little, a little bit because I always wanted to fit in and find new friends because I was forced to do that. And my parents didn't hold my hand. They said, look, Michelle, if you want to meet people, you have to get out there. And the way I got out there is getting involved in service clubs and helping others. And it really developed um, and cultivated a love for helping others because of that. Hey, that's awesome. I didn't know that you moved around from freshman, sophomore, and junior year. That yeah. teaches you a lot of adapt, adapt, adaptability. Adaptability. Yeah. Is that the word? Yeah. Uh, and I know you said one of the things that you had as a child was when you excelled at something you wanted to share with others. Do you think? Well, it's kind of clear how that would help as a teacher. Um, do you think that that would, that has helped you that like want to share your knowledge that you have gained um, in your extracurriculars such as NHS and cultural outreach? Absolutely. Um, when I learn, I'm, I'm always learning, reading, um, talking to other people who have information, going to museums, doing professional development on my own. And so when I learn, I take that back to my members because I want them to learn. And I know a lot of teachers do this, but I do a lot of non-mandated professional development. Like I spend time at the African American Museum and people think, oh, well, you're black, you know. No, I don't. I'm always learning. I don't know everything about African American history. I don't know everything about African American culture. So I spend a Saturday there learning. 
about history so that I could bring that to my cultural outreach members and help them learn how we can do a better job with uh, Black History Month in February. Um, I've spent uh, just this year um, a Saturday at the Arab American Museum learning about Arab American culture and history. Same thing with the Holocaust Museum. And I work intimately with all three of those museums because when I stop learning, then to me, that's stop. That's stopping. To, that's ceasing to exist if you stop learning. So I'm always learning more so that I can help others, and I see that reflected in my students because when I'm learning, they're learning. They're passing the learning on. It's just a circle of and cycle of learning and ridding people and disabusing them of their ignorance. And that's what I'm here to do as an educator and a human being is to kind of just disabuse people of their ignorance because when we start with ignorance and not knowing about things, that's when stereotypes and prejudice and discrimination, things like that happen. So I take that role very seriously and I'm always working to improve in that regard myself and also the students that I work with. Wow, yes. Um, that is honestly a very interesting way to see everything. Um, I think it's very interesting how... I, well, I guess I think it's kind of awesome how you you recognize the pursuit of knowledge and you use that as a way of, uh, or you see that as like the best way to like rid us of ignorance. And I think that that is honestly phenomenal in both a teacher and a cultural outreach leader. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, are there any experiences that you have that like more, I guess, guided you towards cultural type things? Because you said like, you know, there's like prejudice and stuff. There's a lot of stereotypes and there's a lot of this negativity in the world. So was there any one moment that was like, I really want to teach others that rid them of their ignorance? Yeah, um, absolutely. See, I grew up in a false sense of diversity, if you will, in compared to how we live in America. If you grew up in the military, you are surrounded by different races, ethnic groups. It's very multicultural. That was my life. So from moving from Germany to Kentucky, North Carolina, New York, you name it, uh, Tennessee, it was always very diverse because you get a diverse group of people who join the military. And in the Army in particular, you don't necessarily, um, you're not necessarily around people who are your exact race or ethnic group. It's all about your ranking. So if your father is something called a non-commissioned officer, meaning they just signed up to join the Army, you're at, a, you're at a certain level, so you have a lot of different mixed groups of people. If your father or your mother, if they were an officer, meaning they went to college, those people kind of stuck together and lived together. So in our non-commissioned officer world, all of our kids were all equal because our father's ranking was equal, if that even makes sense. And so my whole life, I had white friends, black friends, I had uh, Puerto Rican friends, Korean friends, like all these friends. So then my junior year of high school, we moved to Ferndale, Michigan. And Ferndale High School is where I graduated from. And it was about 85% white, 15% black. And I remember walking into the cafeteria and all the white kids were sitting together, all the black kids were together. And I thought, this is interesting. So I learned quickly that Michigan was very, very racially like isolated. And even in the communities that we live in, you have to kind of choose. You either live in a predominantly white or predominantly black neighborhood, not a lot of mixing together. And so I went through a culture shock because I didn't know how to really um, adapt that well in a society where I could not or did not have friends that were all black and white because it was kind of already set in Michigan that if you were black, you kind of hang with all blacks. If you're white, you hang with mm -hmm. all whites. And it just really bothered me. Then I went to college at Wayne State and I noticed the same thing, like kind of like these different groups. And so um, 
that kind of drove me to find out more about culture, race, and ethnicity, and identity, and so forth, because everything that I saw, and not just Michigan, but I think we could say that throughout the country are very racially isolated, and what I mean is that we're all just, we're not together living in our communities. We don't know each other. Whites and blacks just don't know each other because they don't live together. And there's a whole history. We could go back and, and uh, talk about the history of that and redlining in Detroit. And it's a whole other you know, story there. But I think those were the experiences that led me uh, to think, wow, I really need to do some, you know, you know, do something about it. And then when my job search, I got a lot of different job offers and at a job fair, and I got offered a job here in Lake Orion. So I remember thinking, okay, I don't know where Lake Orion is, never heard of it, but okay, it's a public school. I'm going to go here. It sounds like a good school. So the first day I started, the superintendent said, I need to tell you something. And I'm like, yes. She's like, you're the first black teacher to be hired in the district. And oh, I said, wow. the district or the school? And she said, the district. We have another black teacher that we hired but you signed your contract first so I just want to let you know if you have any problems with anyone discriminating against you or if you have any problems at all just let us know I was so upset because I thought I don't want to be the guinea pig here and I didn't know that I just thought oh there have got to be teachers of color you know in the district um, so being hired here in 2004 and that was just 16 years ago um, really opened my eyes to how you know, racially, again, isolated the world is, because my whole life I had white teachers, black teachers, and like I said, all these different color friends. And so working here in this building, which has been a great building, a great district, um, has really taught me how to work with others, be around different people, and teach people how to interact with other people. Because I'll never forget when I first started teaching, the kids walking in like, she's black, she's black, like whispering, I had the black teacher. And I said, okay, I want my students to see that I'm a good teacher and I know what I'm doing and I enjoy what I'm doing. And the fact that I'm black just makes it cool, you know, just another extra thing. So, and I think taking that attitude and being intentional and trying to build relationships and, and disabusing people of their ignorance about race and ethnicity has really helped me as an individual and a teacher. And I would say my, my students too. And that's an amazing thing that you're such a good example for a lot of the students here in the communities because we're young adults and we're going into the world and high school is such a small place and there's just there's walls everywhere so we don't really know what the real world is like just yet. So you're opening our eyes and you're giving us first an experience from your experience and it's a really good example for the kids to know this and be able to go into the world after high school and have almost a preparation from your guidance. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and what are some things, because you said you've been here for, since what year have you been here? 2004. What are the progressions you've seen from now until then with both like cultural things and society and the students, the community? Oh, okay, so much. So, and, and uh, yeah, we have, uh, we have uh, you know, more teachers of color now on the staff and throughout the district, and not just black teachers, but uh, I think we have a, a little bit more diversity. But just in the way that teachers are teaching, I see that they're intentional. I see more diversity in what they're offering students to read, to think about, to write. Um, we have now, um, I was able to, at the end of the school year, not this past school year, but the year before that, um, start a Lake Orion um, High School Diversity Committee. So now we have a representative from every department, and not just teachers, but um, custodians, um, safe ed, administrators. We're a part of this diversity committee, and we're coming up with uh, professional development opportunities for the staff. We're 
recommending readings. We have these diversity posters. We're being very intentional about that. Cultural outreach has become a big thing. I mean, I have close to 100 members in that club of students who want to be involved. I'm also the district's uh, diversity and equity coordinator. So here we are in, in Lake Orion, and I have the opportunity to serve on a district level to actually spread that meaning of inclusion, diversity, and acceptance. We've had our second annual Dr. King celebration. These are all things that didn't happen, you know, years ago. And so our district is definitely, first let me say this, we have a great superintendent, a great principal, and they are 100% on board of spreading that message of diversity and inclusion for everyone. And it's funny, when I go different places um, and I tell people, like, yeah, I teach history of world religions, history of ethic and gender studies, and they're always like, ooh, your principal allows that, ooh, kids sign up for it, ooh, like, ooh, you know, ooh, Lake Orion. I'm like, we got, Lake Orion has a bad rap. We're pretty good. I know people may not see that, but we're not, you know, this closed off um, not open-minded community, you know. We are a community that has been receptive to the different changes in embracing diversity, and I think it starts with education, because when our teachers start including that in our buildings, in our lessons, and we're intentional, and the kids are talking, they're going home and talking to their parents, and I think that leads to very powerful discourse and very powerful uh, change, you know, changes and, and thought-provoking opportunities for, for everyone, so. I'm very proud of our community, and I'm proud of our school district and all those things we have in place from our diversity committee to cultural outreach to me having the, um, the honor of being the district's diversity and equity coordinator so that we can be intentional in what we're doing. Uh, yeah, interesting. Um, uh, I know you, you just mentioned we had an MLK Day uh, just this Monday, uh, and I know that was a pretty big event in the school. I personally was not there, but I know there was... Uh, several like little things that happened there. We had a public speaker um, who was a principal. Uh, I can't remember his name. Yeah, uh, Mr. Tollerton. Yes. Yes. Um, so, do, is there any like thoughts that you have on the actual event, um, like in the aftermath of it? Yeah. Um, it was. I, I always go back to this word, um, intentional. And I think everything that you do needs to be intentional. And intentional doesn't mean superficial. Intentional means thoughtful, well-planned, you know, well-thought-out. And, and that's what I would take pride in saying that event was. So um, I made a point, and we made a, group a point as a group collectively from the um, LOHS diversity staff and cultural outreach to make sure that we incorporated various components of Dr. King. So uh, you heard messages about acceptance, diversity, resilience. Um, we had um, speakers, we had music, we had artwork displayed, and we had uh, students all involved in spreading that message of Dr. King. So um, to me, that's how you do a Dr. King celebration. You bring in all those different components. And our theme this year, last year, is what are you doing for others about service? This year was we are all connected. So every performance, every short speech, everything went back to we are all connected. And, um, and again, that's intentional. And that's a word my cultural outreach members, and I think everyone always hears, you have to be intentional in what you're doing. Make it meaningful, make it purposeful, and that's what we tried to do with this event. Because we didn't want you to just know that we were thinking about acceptance, diversity, resilience. You heard it from us. You, you know, it was demonstrated. And I think that's all very powerful and important. So I'm very proud to, and I was very proud to look out in the audience and see people there. And it has nothing to do with me. It's about the message of Dr. King. And this isn't um, 
condemning anyone, but oftentimes we look at a day like Dr. King's, uh, uh, you know, day that we commemorate his memory as a day off and to think about ourselves. I really think it's the most powerful thing we can do is think about the spirit of why we have this day. And regardless of what this looks like, as long as we're doing something intentional to think about why uh, he was such a great man and why his legacy mattered, I think that is, is very important. So it sounds like you would consider the event a success. It, it was. You know, I think it was a success uh, from the feedback I received and just looking at how we were intentional in the messages that we gave out, um, I would say it, it was. And it's because it was a large effort by everyone, like the students, mm -hmm. the staff, and so all of us together collectively made it a, a successful event. Okay. Um, and I know throughout this you have brought up a few times, um, like, uh, artificial diversity. Um, do you want to talk a little bit more about that? I'm kind of interested in how you would consider what Lake Orient's doing versus uh, what you call artificial diversity. Yeah, absolutely. There's this whole thing about when you're thinking about cultural competency, like the um, the um, cultural like iceberg. So, meaning like just chipping away at it and trying to get under the surface. So. On the surface, having posters up, having a cultural celebration, in the, which we do at the end of the year, are all great things. But if we really want to break down the layers of that iceberg and really be intentional, it's something that needs to be embedded in who we are. It's not just something we do for the moment. And what, so what does that look like? That looks like, of course, a club like Culture Outreach, where you have kids intentionally every month, every week, focused on initiatives to bring about the message of diversity throughout the building. It looks like the school having a diversity committee where staff members are sitting down having thoughtful, intentional conversations about how can we bring the idea of diversity into place. So, for example, within that diversity committee each year, a few of us attend professional development um, on the district level. Um, on the county level, pardon me, and then we come back and share that information with the staff members. So we're putting that in, front, in the forefront. It's about what do your books look like in your ELA class? Can students see themselves in the books and do they see others as well? So do they see a mirror of themselves and do they also see themselves um, in these books and do they also see others? So what does that look like? In your history class, are you just learning about slavery? Are you learning about the resilience and the prosperity of Africans? So, you know, it's what story? Are you getting a single story? Are you getting a multi-layered story of different individuals? So it looks like our curriculum being intentional, which, which it is. Um, so it looks like all these different components. So at the end of the year when we have that culture night, that's not our only thing. We're thinking about culture and diversity every single month and every day. It's our hiring practices. Does our staff look diverse? And are we hiring people that look like a small or even a, a large amount of our students? What, what does that look like, you know? So it's all these little pieces that make us who we are. And Mr. Hawley and I, uh, the principal, have had so many great conversations about that. And his message has always been very clear. I want diversity to look like who we are, not something, okay, a checkbox. No, this is who we are every day. That's why we have uh, this diversity and equity uh, coordinator position in place. That's why we have the staff diversity committee. That's why we're checking ourselves as teachers and learners and what we're presenting to our students. Okay, so what it sounds like is the difference between artificial diversity and like true intentional diversity is just a passion and a actual want to be diverse instead of just trying to meet public appearances? Yes, and actually doing something. Mm -hmm. You know, okay. the, the intent is great, but what are you doing? And, and that's what I always say. Um, 
President Obama said a couple months ago, it's not enough just to be woke. Everyone's woke, right? Everyone can hashtag, everyone can tweet, everyone can get on Facebook, you know, everyone's, you know, typing with their keyboard, but what are you doing? And so that is the most important question. What, what are you doing? Are you teaching young people how to, you know, disabuse themselves of the, that, that ignorance? Are you involved in something that's making progress? And I would say at Lake Orion High School, we are a part of something that's making progress. And we're not just talking the talk and throwing a poster up. We're actually educating people and making it intentional um, every day as, as much as we possibly can. And it's really cool because that's not only in cultural outreach and on the podcast you're saying this. I'm involved with NHS with you, and you can see you're also this leader outside of the walls of school or outside of the walls of like a podcast room. So you're very you're a good example for that. And you always promote to be genuine, to be authentic, and you're igniting the fire through so many students to just be intentional to utilize whatever they have on social media for good and creating positivity. So I think it's a really good example that you're setting for all these students, especially in NHS cultural outreach through the diversity through your staff and all of those other curriculars. Oh, thank you. Uh, so we are just wrapping up on what time we have. Are there any final thoughts that you would like to give out or anything? Uh, just be intentional and to, to any of those people who are listening and also be above like the influence. If, if you see something on social media and you think it's funny but you know it's culturally offensive, don't be the person to like it. Be the person to spread positive um, messages. Uh, be the person to be different. You know, just because your friends are laughing at a joke or just because your friends aren't involved, you can still be involved. And, and just be open-minded to people. Different doesn't mean funny. Different doesn't mean bad. Differences are differences. And I, I would say it's our individuality um, and our differences that connect us. So we're connected by that way. Because I know I don't want to live in a world, as much as I like myself, I don't want everyone to look like me or think like me. So I think it's great to um, be around people who are different than yourselves. And it just leads to meaningful discourse and understanding on a level that will blow your mind, honestly. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, so I have been Jake Jor. I'm Delaney Rogers. And I am Michelle Curitan. And this has been Dragon Digest.